Hi, Giants fans. Welcome to episode four of the Splash Hits podcast with myself, Charlie Baldwin, co-creator of the Splash Hits podcast and head admin of at SF Giants in the UK, Dave Gibson. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm good, thank you, Charlie. Yourself? I'm good, thank you as well. Uh, we're also joined by Ash Day, the lead Giants writer for Batfits and Nerds. I, I presume you're feeling quite good after the game last night, Ash? Yes, indeed, Charlie. Yeah, in, uh, enjoying the win over the Padres, reveling in the success of being back to 500. So, yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> well, always good early on in the season. And it is our pleasure to be joined by Eric Nathanson, the co-host of TorcherCast today. How, how are things with you uh, today, Eric? Things are well, Charlie. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. I, I look forward to talking Giants baseball and, and hearing a bit of the UK perspective on my favourite baseball team. Brilliant. And that's actually the perfect segue because this is becoming the go-to question for every guest. Um, we ask this to our friend of the show, Brooks Nudson, as well. So, Eric, can you please tell us how you became a fan of baseball and the Giants? And if you want to, you can also tell us how you ended up co-hosting TorcherCast as well? Okay, they're they're kind of connected. Um, I was born and raised in Chicago, which is half a country away, half a continent away from San Francisco where the Giants are. But being Giants fans, you guys know that the Giants originally started in New York City. My father grew up in New York City as a fan of those Giants teams. And Willie Mays was his favorite player, and when they moved, he was devastated, but he stayed a fan. And then he moved to Chicago and then had me. And baseball is stronger than any other tie. I didn't want to be a Cubs fan. I didn't want to be a White Sox fan. I wanted to root for the team my dad rooted for. And I fell in love with the Giants. And 1987, when I was eight years old, grabbed me. Uh, it was the NLCS against the St. Louis Cardinals. It was the perfect age for me to see a team go to the playoffs and, and compete. And then I had my heart broken the first time, and I was immediately hooked and wanted more. And I, I was the only Giants fan in my uh, town, uh, in my city, you know, outside of Chicago. I, uh, I was surrounded by a bunch of blue hats with all the Cubs fans, and then there's me with my black hat on all the time. And I just always been a baseball fan. I played growing up. I played all throughout high school. Uh, I umpired for God, like 17 years. Uh, I even made a go of it trying to become a professional umpire by going to uh, Harry Wendelstadt school for umpires in Florida some 15 years ago. And uh, so baseball is just kind of in my blood. And now uh, I live in, uh, now I'm a host of torture cast and that came about back in 20. 12, 2013, I wrote an article about growing up in Chicago as a fan of a team from another area. It caught the eye of the host there, and they had me on as a guest. And about a year later, I became a permanent host. And TorcherCast is created by Willie Dills. Um, and the reason it's called TorcherCast for all you new Giants fans is back in the day in 2010, the Giants were playing some really close games against specifically the Padres. And at the end of one of those games, uh, Dwayne Kuyper notoriously said, Giants baseball, torture. And so torture cast was the name they came up with, and it has stuck since then. And we are on our 11th season of podcasting about the Giants, and I've been a part of the show for seven years. And we call ourselves, and we are the podcast by and for fans of the San Francisco Giants because we've been doing it for so long. We're not professional. We barely have any advertising. And we just love the Giants. So that's my story of how I became a Giants fan and now host a podcast called Torture Cast and love the San Francisco Giants with all my being. I'm a baseball fan above everything else and a Giants fan above that. Very good, and well done on the longevity as well, Eric, for TorcherCast. To be honest, I don't know any other Giants podcast that's come close to being around for that long as well. Uh, unfortunately, one of our co-hosts, uh, Ben Salvi, couldn't be with us today, but he did want to ask you, who was your first favourite player? Was there a player that, when you were saying there in 1987, kind of grabbed your attention amongst that, what was a very good team at the time? And then we'll go to Dave and then Ash with their follow-up questions as well, if they have any. Robbie Thompson. Uh, it's not even a question for me. I was a second baseman when I was seven, eight years old. 
Um, I was a little scared of the ball at that time. I kind of remember that. And they stuck me a second because the throw was short and it didn't, you know, require a lot. So Robbie Thompson was my first ever favorite giant. And uh, I think I held on to him until Barry came along. I was not one of those guys that fell in love with Will Clark or Kevin Mitchell. I mean, I, I loved them and rooted for them, but, but Robbie Thompson was my guy. He's, he's the guy whose batting stance I tried to copy. So do you think being in Chicago, that's sort of being the only Giants fan, that's, did that solidify your support, made you even hungrier, you know, even more passionate because you're fighting everyone constantly? Uh, very much so. In 1989, the Giants and Cubs played in the NLCS. And I was literally, I don't want to say hated, but I was the bad guy among all my friends. And when Will Clark had the base hit in game five, when Will Clark hit the grand slam in game one, uh, I was able to hold it over them because, you know, 87, I was eight. So what, I'm 10 years old at that time. And we all know how obnoxious we can be as 10 year old boys. And I, I was totally vilified for a while and it was so much fun. I loved every moment of it. My best friend in the world, my next door neighbor growing up, um he is a diehard cubs fan and every year we made bets on who would win the season series giants or cubs and then you know when we were kids it was something stupid you know when we got older we you know it's a round of beers or something like that and so it made for good fun and it made it made me so much stronger in my love for the giants because it's i always felt like well i'm doing something right and especially being around cubs fans because i got to call them losers because they were cubs fans and it was the 80s and 90s so you know it, it made it so much easier i mean granted the giants weren't winning anything but at least i didn't have 1908 hanging over me 1954 sounded a lot better i'm interested uh, eric you said uh, you've obviously been part of TorchCast for a little while now. And weirdly today, I was just on YouTube wasting time as I do. And my algorithm spat out a Brandon Crawford TorchCast interview from like four years ago or so. I was wondering, were you part of that at all? Did you get to meet Crawford? Did you get to chat with him? Uh, no, I have not been able to make it to a Giants game as a media member of TorchCast. Uh, I've gotten media passes two games. And as TortureCast, we have media passes. But uh, just because of my own life, I haven't been able to get out to San Francisco as often as I'd like to. Um, the only guys I've really gotten to interview um, with the access I've gained are Hunter Pence I talked to for a little while. This was back in 2013. Wow. And Brian Sabian was the other one. I got a good 10, 15 minutes with Brian Sabian. I guess Flannery is another one. You guys know Flan. Yeah. Uh, Flannery's another one. He and I talked music for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> so it, it, there's some, you know, connections I've been able to make there. But, you know, Crawford, I wasn't a part of that uh, media day. Chad gets to do all the fun stuff because I've been living uh, completely out east. I actually have lived in Florida for years okay. before I moved here to the Vegas area. So now that I'm just a real short flight away from San Francisco and, you know, once the pandemic ends, yeah. I'll be getting out to games a little bit more and hopefully get to do those kinds of things. Cause uh, it's kind of neat that we are a fan podcast, but we have press credentials. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I don't know how it happened so cool. before I got there. So I just got to be thankful and ride the wave. I think next year we're going to apply for our splash hits podcast press credentials. So the UK clan can get out there. <laughs> we'll we'll like join podcast. The Giants, uh, as a whole, are generally friendly with that. And if you're not looking for a season-long podcast, they seem to be okay with giving away, you know, a game here, a game there, as long as it's not a Dodgers game. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You, should, you should look for a Giants Reds Tuesday night game, and you're going to get press passes. All right then. Well, this sounds very positive. I like it. <laughs> Splash hits trip coming up. <laughs> On to the next question, Eric. So you've obviously known me for a little while now, and I know you've been keeping up with the Splash Hits podcasts as a whole. So what are your thoughts on what you've seen from the UK fan base so far? And also another question from our co-host, Ben Salvi, which was also the question I was going to ask anyway, um, is what are your thoughts or what would be your thoughts if the Giants had to give up a home game or two to play in the UK, Japan, or elsewhere in the world if MLB decides to take the game more global? All right, I'll start with the second question first. I 
I have no problem if they take a home game away from the Giants. I have no problem if they take an entire series away from the Giants to try to grow the game globally. Uh, I'm a baseball fan, first and foremost. Like I said, Giants and then baseball, but I mean, I'm a baseball fan. I always want to see it grow and thrive. And I mean, it would be an amazing opportunity for you over the pond to get to see a game live in your own home. I mean, that, that just is not something that comes along every once in a while. That's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So I, don't, I think the success of the NFL should be a blueprint for Major League Baseball. I think the NFL has done a really good job of marketing the game. Uh, and I guess you guys could speak to that more than me because you are where the marketing is happening for that. But they're always sold out. Uh, those Yankees-Red Sox games were sold out too, I believe. And yeah. they were received wonderfully. And honestly, watching all that offense was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. And so I, as, as, the, as the second question first, yeah, I'd be totally fine with taking Giants home games away. I think if you get caught up in the minutia of the fact that the Giants lose two or three home games, then maybe you're a little too obsessed with certain things. Like, just relax, enjoy the game, enjoy the team. There's no reason to be angry about every little slight that seems to come the Giants' way. This goes for more than just... You know what, what I'm talking about. This goes to, you know, ESPN power ranking articles and things like that. Like, you know, like it's okay if, if stuff like that happens. You just enjoy the team for a little bit. And so, and I've seen that from UK fans, uh, from you guys, uh, from what I've listened to so far. You're knowledgeable. And that is what stands out the most to me is that you're knowledgeable and Charlie specifically I've noticed and you guys do seem to be into the saber metrics and the numbers a little bit more than some of the casual fans over here. Um, I just got accused on Twitter this morning of being a guy who probably thinks RBIs are the be all end all stat. And I didn't even get into discussion about it, but you know, I just came across curmudgeonly and I, I got accused of that and I was like, what? No, I like I had to block that guy right away. Like you guys, uh, I appreciate go dive into the numbers. It's it's the thirst for more that I see from UK baseball fans that I really like. And I uh, through our podcast, I know we have fans in the UK. We have listeners uh, over there. There's uh, quite a few that I've, I've interacted with over the years. Uh, as a podcast host, I like to follow back listeners, especially ones that I know are from other places like overseas, because they could teach me something that I might not necessarily know. So that's what I found to be from the UK. Every guy here sitting here, Ash, David, Charlie, you guys are all knowledgeable about the game of baseball. And I'm impressed by that. I really am. And it's good to see the embrace of the game that I love so much. I mean, how did you guys, because that's, you know, it's my turn to flip it around. I know you've talked about it on the show, but like, how did you get into baseball? David, am I wrong? Or are you the guy who is more into baseball and not into any of the sports, really? You're not really into soccer or anything like that. You're into yeah, American right, sports. Yeah. yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. How did, you, how did you end up hooked on American sports instead of getting sucked into your own uh, country's <laughs> culture? Uh, so when I was young, obviously I liked soccer and things like that, or football as we call it. But yeah, as I got older, I'm a bit of a night owl. Musician tend to be up all night anyway. I just ah. saw bits of games here and there, baseball and American football. Yeah, I don't. That's the two sports I mainly follow. So uh, yeah, just got bored of football and never liked cricket and games like that. I like a bit of international rugby, but. Uh, yeah, it is baseball and NFL, really. Baseball being number one. <laughs> that's a cool way. I love the overnights, musicians. That's that's pretty cool. Ash, how'd you get into the Giants? How'd you get into baseball? Oh, well, uh, yeah, my story kind of, I was at school, um, always played basketball at school a lot, um, despite my modest height. Um, and I kind of got into American sports through my love of basketball, I picked up NFL, I picked up baseball by about 2007. Um, and like Dave, a bit of a night owl at that age, staying up far later than I should. Um, we used to have a channel here that used to show games on Sunday and Wednesday nights in the dead of the morning. Um, so I'd be watching baseball that way. 
Um, and yeah, I kind of similar to you. I'm I'm a big baseball fan. I would have a team I supported, but I would watch any baseball anytime. Um, so for for many years, I kind of aligned myself with the Indians. I didn't want to pick the Yankees or the Red Sox or someone too big. I, I picked like a I'll call them a minnow for for small market sake. I picked the Indians. Um, but over the last few years, um, especially the last decade or so, the Giants kind of just pulled at me and kept pulling at me and then I went to San Francisco and just fell in love with the city um I knew instantly I was like if I'm gonna nail my colors to a to a flag it's gonna be San Francisco they're gonna be my team and I haven't looked back it's been it's been a great ride so far that's funny my first trip to San Francisco I also immediately felt at home and yeah it, it you know it was like yeah. it, it was funny because I mean I, I it's not funny. It's funny and not in aha sense, but the whole reason I finally went to San Francisco is my father, uh, who raised me a Giants fan. He passed away in 2012. And in 2013, we went to San Francisco and scattered his ashes in McCovey Cove. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was the first time though, that I'd ever been to San Francisco. Yeah. So like, my point being, forget the circumstances, I still got there and felt like these are my fans. These are my people. So I totally relate to that, you know, yeah. and, and, and totally see how you could become a, a Giants fan in, in that way. Is that what happened to you, Charlie? Is that how you became a Giants fan? Uh, for me, Eric, it's, it was com- it's similar to you where it was completely down to family because um, I, re- I have relatives in San Francisco. So the first time I traveled there was in 1998 when I was 12. And they obviously my uncle was like, show me through the sports. I, this is baseball. This is American football, basketball. And in the UK, I think Ash or Dave might have played it. We have a game called Rounders, which is like a lot more of a simplified version of baseball. And I always enjoyed playing that. So for me, say, seeing baseball like was an automatic link to, oh, wow, it's like Rounders, but more complicated. And to be honest, I can't even remember my first game because I was just rattling off that many questions to my uncle at the time and probably doing his head in. But, um, but yeah, for me, it was a love at first, first sight kind of thing. Um, unfortunately, I was too young at the time to keep up completely. We didn't have the 24 summer coverage we, we did now. So I followed from afar and it was really in about 2004 when MLB.TV really became big that um, I was able to follow at a much closer, uh, closer hardcore pace. MLB TV is the greatest, right? I mean, I lived across the country from the Giants all these years, and I turned my wife, who grew up in Chicago, into a Giants fan just from watching the games day after day after day. And it, like, it makes me happy. Like, the Cubs are on, and she'll still come over and watch the Giants games with me. It's it's really the Giants have that pull. They they really do. I think it's because of the people and around the team, and they they did it the right way for so long. It felt like. Uh, we didn't have a bunch of, I mean, we did have a steroid abuser in Barry, but we didn't win anything during that time. Uh, you know, during the past decade or so when they were winning, it felt like the Giants were doing it the right way. So I could totally see why everybody here would be attracted to wanting to root for a, a team like that. And I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the UK fan base. I, I really do. For my own show, TortureCast, and for the daily interactions, because you guys are up at weird hours for, for me. And I'm up at weird hours. So I'm, I'm totally, Charlie will notice it. Um, he'll be in the, uh, we have a chat in the Giants Chatter Facebook group that we're both admins of. And Charlie will notice I'll be in there very, very early in the day sometimes. And I love that Charlie's in there some days because, you know, I know he's awake because you guys are eight hours ahead of me. So I can at least talk baseball when I'm waking up in the morning and kind of rubbing my eyes if everybody else is still asleep. So it's, it's, it's nice having you guys over there to be able to keep the conversation going 24 hours a day. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Eric. And earlier you were talking about a fan who had a go at you for using RBIs, which I would say is pretty bold. So that's my attempt at segueing into our bold takes for 2021, which was about the only thing we didn't do on our prediction show. So for... For me, this comes from a Giants chair admin show, which I didn't do the mass for in my head. So there was a question that came up of unders and overs of whether Jake McGee would get 20 saves in a season. And I took the over and said 23. But I also said that three other Giants relievers would get 10 saves each. 
I'm coming to a cumulative total of 53, which is a bit high, but I still do think it's possible. And the other ball take I have comes from Ben as well, the unofficial president of the Austin Slater Appreciation Fan Club, who says, could Austin Slater be MVP? And we'll go to Dave, Ash, then Eric, please, on those two ball takes. Uh, Austin Slater, what, MVP for Giants or MVP for the league? He just said MVP, so I think he was semi-jokingly <laughs> saying MVP of the league. All right. Uh, I can see him being up there for Giants, MVP, get a few votes. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, McGee over 23 saves. Yeah, I'll go over on that, definitely. Uh, sorry, Dave, it was 53 saves in total at least as a minimum. Oh, for the I was going to say, this is an easy pen. over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, de- I'm definitely taking 23. <laughs> Um, 53. Yeah, I'll go over. I'm going to be optimistic and say, yep, <laughs> over. But my bold take, I think I already did it in the prediction show, and that was that the, before the Tatis injury, I said the Giants will finish above the Padres. So <laughs> that was my bold take. That was a bold take. For the injury. <laughs> looking like a psychic now, Dave. So, Ash, do you, do you agree with the ball takes that me, Ben and Dave have put out there? Oh, I think uh, I think Slater will have to have, like, quite the breakout season to be Giants MVP. I could see him winning, like, the Willie Mack Award by the end of the year, but he'll have to do some wonders to beat out like Yaz and even Longoria is off to like such a hot start. Um, so I don't think he'll be our team MVP. That'll be my take. Um, as far as the saves go, I'm taking the under of 53 saves. I think McGee will get more than 20, but I think the giants as a whole won't get that many saves because we're just going to blow out so many teams from our great offense that we're not even going to be eligible for saves. So uh, we're going to get, you know, we'll be, you know, 90 wins. Come on, let's say that. But uh, not as many saves because we're just going to dominate. There's my hot take. I tend to agree with Ash when it comes to uh, the saves over under. Uh, I would Eric, think do you that, agree with all? Yeah, I, I, I do. I agree with Ash. I think it's under only because the Giants win some games, 8-4, eight to, eight to 10-3. to three. I, I think the Giants have an offense that can do that. I've been on the train that this is the best Giants offense since 2012. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to score a ton of runs. Slater, I, again, agree with Ash. I was going to bring up the same thing. I was like, maybe the Willie Mack. But, you know, I mean, there's too many good players on this team. And if Donovan Solano stays with the team all year, if uh, Longoria continues to be hot, if Yastrzemski does anything like he's done the last few years, those would be the MVPs of the team. And, you know, so I, I definitely think Slater is just, you know, I hope he, I think he's going to have a breakout season. I actually predicted that he'll lead the team in home runs. I guess that's a bold take. That's not the bold take I'm, I'm, I'm about to bring up, but that's a bold take. I think Slater will lead the team in home runs. But I actually, the bold take, am I missing any of yours that I need to comment on first? Um, no, I think you covered them all. I think you covered the 53 saves there. I think you mentioned Ashes one as well. Um, like just us blowing out so many teams, that being the reason why we won't get there. So um, what's your bold take, please, Eric? My bold take is that the Giants should trade Buster Posey. And I think that the Giants should trade Buster Posey as soon as his value is high to a team like the Braves that has a pitching staff that needs a catcher. And I love Buster Posey. I do, along with every one of you. But his value is never going to be higher. And he's going to his contract is up at the end of the season. And Joey Bart's knocking on the door. And the whole thought behind this is if Joey Bart is producing, then you can look into trading Buster Posey. So my bold take isn't let's trade Buster Posey. My bold take is if this happens, then this could happen. If Joey Bart goes off in May in Sacramento, can you imagine Farhan having to keep him down at that point? What if Joey Bart had seven home runs in the month of May and bats like 422? Uh, it's going to be hard to keep him in Sacramento at that point. So what do you do? How do you solve that problem? Well, back in 2010, the Giants traded Benji Molina to the Rangers to pave the way for one 
Buster Posey. So I just propose that Buster does the same thing that Benji did and steps aside if need be. But I'll be honest, I made this take a week and a half ago before Buster hit home runs, before Buster's showed that his hip is healthy. Um, so it's not that I'm backing down on it. Uh, I'm just not <laughs> sure the, the possibility is he might be better than I thought. You know what I mean? And you don't want to get rid of that kind of production if he is better than I thought. So a lot of things have to happen for this to happen. And when I said it on the, uh, it was the Giants chatter uh, uh, admin pregame, which turned into the, what the hell is the name of Doug's podcast? The Say Hey Podcast yeah. preview show. Yeah. So it, it came about there. So I'd like you guys' thoughts. I want to know if you would, if, first of all, would you freak out at the Giants traded Buster Posey? Second Dave, because I remember your, sorry, go on. Go on, Eric. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, second of all, I'm fully aware he has a no-trade clause. Fully aware. Buster has to okay this. And I think that Buster only okays it to Atlanta or another California team. So what do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, like you say, it was a week ago. I was watching that chat, and I think I instantly messaged Charlie with the Monty Python blasphemer gift because that was the first thing that came into my head. Blasphemy! How That's dare you! <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, to get I've always I love Posey and I've always thought of him as staying with the Giants, keeping his experience there. Now his hips are are working well, but like you say, it's uh, hopefully he'll stay. But just staying with the team, even going into coaching, just I just want him to be around the Giants and be with the Giants forever. <laughs> but um, so it'd have to be one hell of a trade. To be trading away, Buster Posey with me. I just, I'm too sentimental about it. <laughs> I can't see past. To it. be fair, I'm also sentimental about Buster, but I just, I think I'm worried about the reality that he's going to walk away at the end of the year, and I don't want us to, as Giants fans, to to feel like we were left holding the bag a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, right. if he decides to go play for another team, it's like, well, wait a second. Why weren't we good enough anymore? So I, I do agree with you there. I have that same mentality with Buster as well. I think with the no trade as well, if it did happen, it was because he wanted to. So that would sort of soften it a bit, I guess. But yeah, if he just walked away at the end, that would be like heartbreak. <laughs> Ash, even though you might disagree with it, is it something that you could at least understand the framework for why it could be possibly done? I think Eric has made a very convincing argument, actually. When you first said it, I was going to say this is absolute sacrilege, especially in my house. This is the house of Posey. Like, we we worship at the altar of Posey in my house. Um, but you actually made quite a good point for it. Like, if it does depend on a lot of factors. For, for instance, Sparts development. Um, and Bailey waiting in the wings as well. So, like, you know, you're right. If if Bart's hitting hot by the summer before the trade deadline, and Buster still has value to other teams, contenders, someone like the Braves, you could imagine him waving his no trade clause. He's a Georgia boy, so going back to Atlanta, like that could work. I mean, I'm not settling for anything less than Ian Anderson and Ronald Acuna Jr. in the trade. But um, yeah, I think that's optimistic. But yeah, uh, I, my, I'm sentimental like Dave and yourself. I, I, I could never part with Posey. Uh, I really hope they can sign him to an extension next year and, and keep him around. Um, yeah, but you've made a very good argument for possibility of trading Posey, but I can't do it. It'll break my heart. Yeah, I, it, it's funny because everybody is saying, you know, well, if it happens now, I'm going to look like a genius, but I don't want it to happen. It's just the logical side of me that's been thinking about the Giants' future plans. And as high on the Giants as we are, uh, their plans are not for 2021. Their plans are for 2022, 2023. And it's hard to imagine where Buster fits into that. Um, if he takes a backup role, then he will totally fit into that, though. If Buster is good with, you know, only catching 60 to 80 games a year, I think, you know, the Giants could could extend him. You know, and I remember being in that chat, Charlie, you were you were among everybody else who was kind of like, 
you know, wait, did he just say that? Wait, wait a second. And then I let out the logical argument, like Ash just said. So, I mean, it's not as crazy as it sounds. It's one of those things where, Eric, like, where you um, kind of just hear it straight off and it's just the shock value that gets you straight away. But then when you think about it a bit more, you can kind of see the reason why. But I'm also normally the least sentimental person on this podcast. But for me, this would be like the Yankees trading Derek Jeter or the Braves trading Chipper Jones. It's just something the team shouldn't do unless it absolutely has to for some strange reason. But there, are, there is a situation there. Like if Patrick Bailey, like if his bat gets going, because defensively he's meant to be superior to Bart, offensively in the longer term he could be superior to Bart as well. So if they both get hot, they get going, and Bailey can um, hammer his way to high A or even double A through the season, and you could see a situation where it would be absolutely awful, but you could understand it. But for me, I think the DH is going to be inevitable. And with the way Buster's hitting, I think they'll find a way to kind of put in between, say, DH and catcher and someone, maybe a Darren Ruff huh. or or someone like that would get traded during the season anyway. And I, th- I think that's the way for him to be able to stay. But in terms of could it, could it happen? Yes. Am I hoping it happens? I'm in agreement with all three of you, absolutely not. But as speaking of Buster Posey, he's probably been the hottest player of the season so far for the Giants. So for those of you who may not have been able to see or hear every game, we're going to do a quick review of the game so far. So the season opener, game one against the Mariners, Kevin Gaussman threw 90 pitches with six strikeouts, two walks and one run allowed in six and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, the Giants' offense was powered by home runs by Longoria, Posey, and Slater, which put the Giants into a 6-1 lead going into the eighth inning. And unbelievably, a nightmare inning happened where a combination of Matt Whistling, Yarlene Garcia, and Tyler Rogers blew and lost the lead, and the Giants ends up behind 7-6. Alex Dickerson then hit a solo home run to tie it in the ninth. But then, unfortunately, Jose Alvarez lost the game on... In my opinion, the worst way to lose a game, a walk-off walk and attempt the Giants to lose 8-7. So, obviously, there's one key moment to review here, in my opinion, which is the eighth inning and the use of the bullpen. So, my question to you guys is, would you have used the bullpen in a different way in the eighth inning? So, for instance, I was okay with putting Matt Whistler and Yarlin Garcia in there to begin with, but then after seeing both of them struggle, and with the game and the lead on the line, it's my opinion of that's where we should have gone straight to Jake McGee. Go with the hottest hand, the strong hand, the guy we know who was most likely to nail it down and get out there with a the lead, then use Moronta in the ninth. So what are your thoughts? Would you have gone a different way? And I'll go to Dave and then Ash, then Eric, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the camp of that this isn't a necessarily a Kapler problem and that the bullpen just could not could not throw strikes there. The only thing in hindsight I might have done different is maybe left Goldsman in there to finish the seventh, which would have changed the lineup for the eighth and who's coming in and who's coming out. But after that, like you say, the Giants came back and lost it on walk. So, yeah, I'm not sure who if you would have gone with who whether they would have found strikes or not. So, yeah, Jake McGee's the obvious to answer to lock it down, but. I like him in the closer role. Maybe they should have brought Moranta in, maybe. So, yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely not on Twitter at the time. Suddenly exploded and Kapler uh, was the worst uh, manager around again. But I don't think that was on him, that one, necessarily. Because other moves he made, like putting Dickerson in, pinch hitting, home run. So that move worked. <laughs> it's good when it works and when it doesn't, he gets to the bottom. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the bullpen problem for sure. Ash, what way would have you gone in that situation? Very much exactly what they said. Uh, it's not. A, it, it doesn't feel like a Kapler problem. It, he picks the guys that are there to throw strikes. They didn't throw strikes. Too many walks. Um, yeah, they just covered everything. I I would have said perfectly. I'm fully on board. Uh, Sorry, Ash. <laughs> 
And Eric, are you in agreement with uh, Dave Nash there? Uh, not totally. I would have let Whistler stay in. Uh, I thought all the contact he was giving up was weak contact. And I know he walked the first guy and then he gave up two hits. Um, but they, they were, I mean, he did it again yesterday. He, he gave up weak contact. And so I would have given him a chance to try to roll a pair and get out of there and minimize the damage. Um, but who knows? How that would have, how that would have gone from there. I do agree with the facts. I, I really I've come around. I mean, Kapler didn't throw the pitches. Um, these guys. It was opening day. You know, maybe Alvarez was a little nervous. Maybe, maybe these guys just had the butterflies, and these pitchers just you know every one of them just seemed to not have it. So I don't think you can necessarily put it on Kapler when the players just didn't perform. So I there's not much different he could have done. There's not much that the Giants could have done either. You know, sometimes it's just not your day. And for those guys, it just, it wasn't. I'm with you, Charlie, though. That's the worst way to lose a game. Three straight walks like that. I mean, that, oh, that was so brutal. I was getting Armando Benitez flashbacks, Eric. It was it was that bad. Um, Ash has had to go and reboot due to technical difficulties. So we're just going to talk about this game a little bit more while we wait for him to come back. Um Tyler Rogers in in that role um, is that something you agree with, Eric? I'd like to see him in a role where he needs a ground ball rather than a strikeout. To be honest, and I'll go to you, Dave, on that as well. I don't know. I I don't really like Tyler Rogers. I have a hard time getting behind him. I I don't know what the best situation is for him because I feel like the guys are either on him completely or not seeing his pitches at all. And you don't know what you're going to get. So I find him to be a guy who needs to come in with a clean inning. But you have to find out right away if he has it or not. I mean, Dave, do you like Tyler Rogers? I mean, he's funky and all that. He's fun. I love his story. But, like, I don't know. I yeah. kind of watch the game like this when he comes in. And, and it worries me exactly that he's going to give same. up a big bomb. Yeah, exactly the same. It's scary when he comes in. It's fun to watch. and. Like you say, maybe ground ball situations, but yeah, it is scary. <laughs> I don't know what the, like you say, what is the scenario that you're using for? But yeah, it's definitely scary. <laughs> but we love torture, uh, don't we? <laughs> he's, he's, the, he's the definition of torture cast, Eric. So uh, maybe he's, he should be your player of the player of the podcast, possibly. Oh my God. Giants baseball. Torture. Okay, so while we wait for Ash to come back, we're going to move on to game two. Uh, Johnny Cueto had what I'd describe as a bend but not breakouting. He was great in the first inning, gave up runs in the second and third, got out of the fourth inning due to a two great defensive plays, including a double play by the Brandons. He had a solid fifth inning, but he was at 90 pitches. Kapler did let him pitch into sixth until he allowed a base runner or two. The offense was again powered by... Buster Posey, Nevin Longora, who both hit home runs. The bullpen also bounced back, pitching four and a third scoreless innings in a 6-3 win. So my question for the key moment of this game was, do you think it was fair given his record from last season and given how there were points in this start where he struggled that uh, Cueto did manage to talk Kapper into facing those extra two hitters as he was on 90 pitches at the time, which was similar to where Gaussman was the night before, and arguably Gaussman was pitching better. So we'll go to Eric and then Dave on this, please. Um, I, I didn't think Cueto... Cueto had one of those outings where he kind of lost it in, in the... What was it? Like the third, the second and the third for a little bit, and then he regained it in the fourth. Um... I was surprised that he was sent back out there again. And uh, then I was thrilled Cueto got the ground ball double play and then shocked once again that he was getting pulled at that moment. It was kind of like, well, if you're going to send him out there for one more inning, let him go. Um, It's kind of weird that Kapler has this thing where he wants to pull these guys and get his relievers in. So I think that that's a result of that more than anything else. I think the the reason Cueto got pulled when he did uh, was because uh, Cap wanted to get, who was that? Uh, Wandy Peralta into the game at that time. And so I think the same thing happened with Gauss in the first game where he wanted to get uh, Berger into the game in a certain situation, and he did the same thing. So I think uh, 
I think we saw a combination of Cueto looking like Cueto, and I, I don't trust Johnny anymore. I really don't. Um, he has his good days. He has his bad days. But it was good to see uh, when he had command of his pitches, he overpowered the Mariners. So, you know, I, I thought Kepler handled that probably as best he could. Yeah, I think um, that's the sort of level I think we're going to get from Cueto. You know, that's the sort of games we can hope to get from Cueto, really. Like you say, he did uh, drop a bit in the third, fourth, but came back again. I think, um, yeah, he's still a solid pitcher. And I think, if, you yeah, do know, you agree with the way Kapler handled that, Dave? Or do you think he should have come out a little bit earlier? No, I think. <laughs> I know Kaplan probably doesn't listen to fans, but you've got to be wondering if he's thinking, well, everyone's giving me hell for pulling Goldsman at 90, and now am I going to pull Cueto? Um, but I think it is more to do with he's looking at when he can get pitches in, and especially if it's one out, they, you know, they don't have to face three batters because it's the end of the inning. So he's looking to get players out there just to get them uh, settled in, I think. So... Yeah, like you say, uh, Barrager in the first game and then uh, Perota. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it's fine. Yeah, well, it worked out in the end. Then. <laughs> and I think um, you guys would agree as well, but just going by the stuff he had, um, that Kikuchi was probably the best pitcher, arguably the best pitcher we've faced so far. I know, I know, Flexen did shut us out, but stuff-wise, for me, Kikuchi looked better. So, was that a like a positive point for the way the offense is going that we managed to get uh, so many runs off him in the end, even though he was at times completely dominant over us. And I'll go the opposite way around. I'll go to Eric and then Dave and then Ash, just to put you back into loop. Uh, we just talked about you say Kikuchi and how it was a good sign that Giants managed to get the runs off him that they did and hit some home runs off him, given how good his stuff looked and how good he was pitching in that game. He did look good. He Kikuchi surprised me. Uh, Kuko mentioned it during the broadcast. Uh, he's like, this guy was out here throwing 92, 93 in spring training, and all of a sudden he's bringing it at 97. And I think it caught the Giants off guard their first time through the order. And I think we saw what we're going to see from the Giants all year. Uh, they may not hit a pitcher the first time through the order, but we've got a lot of smart hitters on this ball club and they're going to make adjustments. And the second and third time through the order, they're going to be able to get to pitchers, even if pitchers are on their game that day. I agree with you. Kikuchi on Saturday, on on Friday, pitched better than Flexen on Saturday. And it was kind of nice to get a win against a quality pitcher like that. So, you know, I think that was a good sign for the Giants offense for, for this season is is handling a game like that with Kikuchi. I think uh, we were relying on a few players, Posey, Longoria, Solano, to uh, get us through that game. But, um, yeah, definitely coming up a picture like that, it's almost like uh, we get a picture that we're not too sure of. He's not the best picture maybe around, and we struggle quite regularly. And then we seem to, like, park up for the big games, obviously for the Dodgers and that, but... When you don't expect them to hit well, they seem to hit well, and you'll get a random player just come back from his career, is it? And uh, we really struggle, and it seems to be a, a regular problem, I think. But maybe it's the scouting, I don't know. But yeah, definitely the second game was uh, very positive. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Mariners fans will be pretty happy with what they saw from Kikuchi and like Eric said I think he definitely caught us by guard uh, off guard um from what I understand from Kikuchi his issues since he came over to MLB has been getting through the order like I from what I know about him second time third time through the order is when people start to really um you know make him pay and thankfully the Giants made those adjustments started to get those hits and you know turned it into a win so yeah it was good to see us against one of the top pitchers. I was really impressed with his breaking stuff. Um, yeah, Kikuchi's a good one. So it was extra good that we managed to uh, get some runs off him and pull out the win. Yeah, after bouncing back to tie the series at one each, the Jansen went into game three against Chris Flexen, who's just recently returned from a few years in Korea. Unfortunately, the Giants 
was stymied in this one. They got shut out for nothing. Uh, the only real offensive standout was Donovan Solano, who does what he always seems to do now, which is go two for four. But in fairness, Logan Webb did keep us in the game, and he was okay but not great. He did allow three earned runs. He struck out five, walked three with seven hits. But to me, if this had been last year, it would have been one of those games where he put himself into a hole where it would have been too hard to get out of. But I think if he's going five or six innings and giving up three ones, I think Moses would accept that and say, well, with this offense and bullpen, he is keeping us in the game. And more often than not, that will lead to a win. So I wanted to know what your guys' thoughts were about Logan Webb in this outing and after the hot spring he had. So this time I'll go Dave... Eric, then Ash, please. Yeah, for Logan Webb had a lot of um, there was a lot of build up for Logan Webb, and I'm not sure he could have possibly lived up to how much he was built up. Um, all the talk of the uh, breaking balls, and I think he even said himself that he might have got a bit happy with it and overused it. And everyone, you know, if you talk about it enough, people are going to be watching out for it, but. I think like Quato, if he can keep us around that sort of level, like you say, with our offense normally, not so much in that game, you know, we'll still be in in that game. So yeah, I think it, he's still good. Looking forward, he's going to be good still. Yeah, it's good to see him out there doing well. Yeah, I, his changeup looked good when he got ten swing and misses, Logan Webb, uh, which was like tied for the second most in his career in a start. Um, he didn't necessarily dominate or anything. He kept them in the game. That's what you want a starting pitcher to do. He kept them in the game, gave them a chance to win, and the offense, I don't want to say they failed him because they're going to have days like that. Uh, Flexen being another guy that the Giants hadn't seen before, so he stymied them. And, you know, when it came to Webb, though, I thought he kind of gutted through sometimes where he was fighting with himself. You know, he said he got too happy with the changeup. That's the quote that stuck out to me too, Dave. And it, it made me think that he realizes I have a really good pitch here. I need to not try to use it too much. And so, if anything, we had a learning experience for Logan Webb. And, you know, it didn't really cost the Giants anything because their offense didn't show up that day. So it's not like we're going to pin the loss on him anyways. So I, I'm encouraged from what I saw from Logan Webb. And I'm like you, though, that he could not have lived up to the expectations. Uh, if he had come out and thrown eight no-hit innings or something like that, then maybe as much as we were hyped for him, it, it would have come through. But uh, it does not deter me from thinking Logan Webb's going to be a quality starter uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think what what you guys have just said exactly is my feelings on Webb. Um, after the amazing spring he had, I think it was going to be hard to live up to the expectations. But I think after his game one performance, none of the shine has come off what he did in the spring. The, you know, everything is still there for him to be a very, you know, a, a big contributor to this rotation this year. I'm also just thinking like where he is in his career. Like, yes, he started third in the rotation this season, but realistically he's still more of a fourth, fifth guy at this point in his young career. So what he did against the Mariners is exactly what you want from like your fourth or fifth guy. He kept you in the game. He gave the offense a chance to make us competitive. It didn't happen this time for the reasons we've all said, but I'm not soured on Webb at all. I think he'll turn it around. And yeah, I think he's going to be fun to watch this year. He's got a lot of talent and that change up is filthy. And the more he gets comfortable with it, it's just going to be a major weapon for him. So yeah, all aboard the Webb train. Okay, so after unfortunately dropping the series 2-1 to the Mariners, the Giants played the Padres in a what is probably the biggest series for the Giants in April. Uh, we don't face the Dodgers till I think it's May, if I remember correctly. So this is a good indicator of series of where the Giants are currently in the, the NL West facing the team that's supposed to either come second or potentially win the division. Uh, the Giants won 3-2 on the back of solo home runs by... Uh, Darren Ruff, Evan Longoria, and Mike Ostremski. Anthony DeSclafani pitched five innings, allowing a run on four hits, three walks, and three strikeouts on 86 pitches. But, however, the main takeaway from the game was the Fernando Tatis Jr. injury, where he left the game with a dislocated shoulder. So I'm just going to leave this up to you guys. Uh, just one different take take each, please, from that game that you'd like to share with us all. Well, uh 
Yeah, Tatis injury, injury aside, I think um, it was a great game to wake up to, I must say. I, felt, I must say I felt a bit sick on opening day because I stayed up all night, all night, and it got to 7 o'clock and there were Mariners UK fans waking up and they got to see their team come back and win two innings. <laughs> so this time I got to do it. So I woke up <laughs> and I got to see Yaz hit a home run and uh, give it, hopefully that will take him out of his slump. That's what I'm taking away from it. He came in, pinch hit, Kaplan move, and uh, basically uh, took the game for us. And so, yeah, really good. And bullpen again. We haven't really mentioned it since the first game, but bullpen has been excellent since that game, really. So, yeah, that's that's what I'll take from that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with Dave. Uh, seeing Yaz struggle the first series in Seattle was hard to watch. I can forgive him massively because he's clearly struggling with that hand, which is what scratched him from the lineup against the Padres. It must be giving him some real issues, more than they're probably letting on. But to see him pinch hit and hit that home run, just like, it was in Yaz, yeah, I'm sure I can. Well, I speak for everybody when we all say he's one of our favourite giants in his already brief career. But yeah, seeing him put that that home run over the wall was was something special. Um, and then we got McGee in the in the ninth, shutting it down, or or not really shutting it down, but doing the job. I mean, he's putting the torture in torture cast. Uh, I'm thinking we're going to see a bit more of that this year, but hopefully less shaky McGee and more stable McGee. But he did it. I, you know, I can't fault him. He, he got out of the jam. He saved the game. We win against the Padres. After how much they've been highly touted this year, I'm going to take and savor every single win against the Padres this year. Um, the Tatis news is sad, though. Um, you don't want to see a guy like him go down. So hopefully it's not long-term. Um, if it is, well, I just hope the Giants benefit from it. And you don't want to say that as a fan, like, oh, I hope the Giants benefit from the injury. But it's true. Let's be yep. honest. It's, it's it's true. My my takeaway <laughs> from the game yesterday, honestly, it's funny. You guys covered all the positives. Uh, I'm going to be a little pessimistic here for a moment. Uh, I'm tired of solo home runs. I'm tired of solo home runs. There's got to get some guys on base when these guys hit them out. The Giants apparently are going to hit home runs this year. So they need to get some guys on base beforehand. And it'd be nice to see Donnie. I think Donnie's the only one who's managed to get on base for somebody else to hit a home run this year. I think every other homer has been a solo shot. And so I'm a little tired of solo home runs. That's my takeaway from last night. But on the flip side, I'm also happy to see that they're still hitting those home runs. Like, Ruff, whenever Ruff hits a home run, it surprises me. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, like, he's just kind of one of those guys that you – I don't know. He's he's all or nothing. So, you know, when he does it, you're kind of like, oh, hey, yeah, that's why this guy's here. You know, and, and so it, it was good to see that. It was good to see Yaz as well. I'm in agreement with you guys on Yaz. It was great to see Yaz come back and swing the bat and have a, a solid connection and a home run. And hopefully that'll be what can get him going. And obviously we don't have a lineup yet for tonight. So we don't know if Yaz is healthy or not. So, you know, I'm kind of curious now to see going forward, is Yaz going to play the rest of the series or is he going to stay on the bench and just come off the bench to pinch hit? But uh, I'm guessing Yaz probably starts tonight. If there's something that's not seriously wrong with his hand, I can't see them keeping him out anymore. So, like you guys, my takeaway was, hell yeah, go Yaz. Okay, thanks, guys. So with game one in the books, it's game two tonight. It's another late game UK time tonight. It's Aaron Sanchez against Hugh Darvish. Although Hugh Darvish did allow 400 runs in four and two-thirds innings in his season debut against the Diamondbacks. Game three will probably be the best pitching matchup we've seen all season in Kevin Gaussman versus Blake Snell. So after what we've seen so far, what we've seen last night, and obviously, as Eric says there, we kind of don't want to say, well, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s injury is a benefit to the Giants, but statistically you can't argue that it isn't. So are you guys confident of winning at least two out of three games in this series now? And I'll go to Dave and then Ash, then Eric, please. Yeah, I'm definitely confident we can get two at least. Um, it'd be great if we get three. Um, but I've not really seen much of Sanchez, so I'm not. it'll be an interesting uh, matchup tonight. But uh, it's the wrong time for us. I think it's a three o'clock morning start and I've got work at seven. So I'll have to uh, watch the catch up on that one. But 
Well, we're just talking about the last series. We're pointing out that um, the Giants are top in uh, home runs in the whole of MLB and the game behind Houston Astros. So we're tied for nine with the Houston Astros, but we've played one less game. So, I mean, that, that, I feel that does definitely need a mention. <laughs> they might be solos, but there there is a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think tonight what we whatever we get from Sanchez tonight will be a bonus. To be honest, um, I'm not expecting the win, but if we can pull it out, two out of three, brilliant. I think um, tomorrow's game with Gaussman back. Did you say Charlie against Snell? He'll be up against Snell. Yeah, it is Blake Snell. Ash, so yeah. that's that's like the marquee matchup of the series. I mean, obviously going up against someone like Snell is never easy, but Gaussman's already shown he's got the goods so far this year so yeah tonight from Sanchez against Darvish odds are in probably the Padres favor but maybe they're still reeling from the Tatis news um they might not their heads might not be in it so if we can sneak a victory I'll take it obviously and then tomorrow with Darv- um, with Snell versus Gaussman um yeah what, what will be will be but I'd love love a sweep but I think I'm getting a bit optimistic there I'll take two out of three obviously I think the Snell matchup might be better for the Giants than the Darvish matchup. Uh, we've seen that they hit better against lefties, so I'd look for that Gaussman-Snell game to be the one that the Giants might take because, like Ash said, we have no idea what we're getting from Sanchez in this first game. And, you know, I love Dave pulling out the home runs. That I, I, I can't believe this is our offense. They have nine home runs in lead baseball. Like, that is so cool. Uh, I don't think Darvish will give up homers here and there. I don't know if the Giants will be able to continue it tonight. It all depends on when they get into that Padres bullpen. I think every game in the series really depends on that. And so the Giants will probably take two out of three. And I'm like Ash. I'm hoping they kind of sneak in one tonight uh, with everybody being distracted with the Tatis news and their heads might not totally be in it. And, you know, these Padres might think, well, we're going to face Aaron Sanchez. So, we're, we're you know, they might be think, looking past to Gaussman on Thursday. So, I'm like you. What do, what do you – how about – what's your thought, Charlie? What do you think is going to happen in the next couple of games? Are, are the Giants uh, going to be able to take the series from the Padres and come home at 500? Or are they going to be stuck below 500 when they face the Rockies on Friday? Um, I, I think um... – I'm confident, Eric, that we'll uh, win the series at least two to one. Um, as you guys were saying on the Giants chat, uh, admin chat last night as well, um, there's, um, there is problems with the Padres bullpen, especially like from the left side where they are a bit short of arms in that department. So that's one way they can be taken advantage of. And as you say, like um, when you guys were mentioning um, the Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, injury there like immediate flashbacks to 2011 came rushing back to me uh dave and eric and i'm sure you guys can remember not only where you were but how you felt as soon as you saw that injury to buster posing we all know how that affected team around not just then but later on into the season and there was just something missing the whole way through and i feel that could be the same way for the padres as well but um, but thanks, that guys. And just as a reminder to our UK fans who are listening, as well as European Giants fans, we finally have some UK time-friendly games coming up. On Friday, we start the home opening series against the Rockies. The Friday game is at 9.35pm UK time, with both Saturday and Sunday games at 9.05pm UK time as well. So, fingers crossed we can go there. Um, absolutely crush the Rockies. I won't mention the magic S word for jinx kind of purposes, but I know we're all thinking it. So, fingers crossed we can go from there. And... I just want to quickly introduce a new uh, segment we're going to be doing for the year called Prospect Spotlight. Uh, The Giants farm is a very important part of the team going forward, and we have decided to follow an actual prospect um, all the way, quite a way down the farm system. And his name is Javier Francisco, or his full name is Javier Francisco Alexander Estrella. He was signed out of the Dominican Republic Uh, In the last signing window for $10,000, and he plays the shortstop position. He's currently six feet two and 181 pounds. His English is really advanced for his age, which is unique for a prospect at the stage of his development. 
Yafe also came through the Fernando Tati Senior Academy as well. And Tati Senior has already made favourable comparisons of Yafe to Fernando Tati's junior. I also asked Yafe a few questions to get a little bit more insight into both him as a person and a ball player. So Yafe is also a Giants fan at heart, which I found to be amazing. So, um, so I asked him about when and how he became a fan, and he said, I'm a Giants fan since I was a child. I became a Giants fan because of Barry Bonds and the Jeff Kent era. I didn't see them, but I could see the highlights videos of them, and that motivates me more to be a Giants fan. The winning of the three World Series titles, Buster Posey being named the NL Rookie of the Year, and my dad also told me about Juan Marshall and the Alou brothers, and that made me fall in love with the Giants. I also asked Javier what his own personal baseball development aims and or goals were for this season. And he said, my number one goal right now is to keep developing and growing with my coaches in every aspect of the game, getting my body stronger and play hard at the game that I love. As we all lost last year in terms that we couldn't play and we couldn't develop in the academy and depending the plans that the team have with me, I'm very excited to play this season either in the DSL, which is the Dominican Summer League, or in the AZL Arizona Rookie League, which is the league where all internationals prospects start and when they come to America. Now, for my final question, I asked if Yavier had a message for Giants fans in the UK and Europe, uh, to which he said, to all the Giants fans in the UK and Europe, keep cheering up for the team that we love. I'll be working really hard in order to get to the majors and help the Giants win many championships with the help of my fellow teammates and coaches. Also, I hope that one day we could play in the UK, a Giants versus Dodgers series, because I really like the UK, the weather and the history of the country. And from our perspective at Splash Hits Pods, we're also hoping our schedules do line up later in the season so that we can do a proper interview with Yavier. If you want to know more about Yavier, Renzi, who is also known as at Giant Perspective, that's at Giant P-R-O-S-P-E-C-T-I-V on Twitter, um, also, who also writes around the Foghorn did a great in-depth interview with Yavier for the Prospects Worldwide website which last year which you can find at www.prospectsworldwide.com Yavier is also on Twitter as at YavierAlex2019 so at J-A-V-I-E-R-Alex2019 and please do follow him as he does put out videos of batting practices, in-game in-game videos, fielding drills, he loves interacting with the fans. And I'm sure you also speak on behalf of Dave, Ash and Ben when I say we look forward to following him throughout the season and seeing him hopefully rise up through the Giants' farm system. And just before we go, I was wondering if any of you guys had any final thoughts? Well, on Javier or just the Giants in general? <laughs> uh, just, just, just in general, but it can be on Javier as well if you want, Dave. <laughs> Well, I was, I was reading a lot of the, the interviews you sent me and I was quite struck by his age, but how he seems to really, he's patient. He's always talking about patience and obviously following it from this early, early stage, it's going to be a lot of patience to hopefully he'll get to the majors one day, but it'd be interesting to see and it'll be uh, fun to follow. So we're going to have to keep doing splash hits for quite some years. We're going to follow it all the <laughs> way through. <laughs> But I will say that Wednesday's game uh, is UK friendly as well at 10 past nine. So. Lovely. Awesome. Lots of baseball to come. <laughs> yeah. I did like that Javier said uh, one of his favourite things about the UK was the weather. You don't hear that very often about our country. <laughs> but I suppose if he's been in the Dominican forever, maybe a bit of uh, rain and cold might be a bit refreshing. So I can see why. Weather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So now you've put me on the Javier Francisco uh, radar. Now I'm going to follow. I just followed him on Twitter. I'm going to see what happens just because of you guys. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys are finally going to have UK friendly uh, start times. I understand struggle having lived across the country from the team before. So your start times at uh, like 10 after nine, that's like mine used to be. So I get the struggle of staying awake late at night. Uh, full disclosure, I fell asleep opening day and I didn't see them blow the five nothing lead. And I woke up the next day and saw it. So it, it was honestly, it was probably best for me because I would have woken up the entire house when they were blowing it yeah. in the eighth inning. I saw people. I, think I didn't Twitter. know if I was delirious or not at that half <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning. It's like, am I seeing this? I think I tweeted, "Are we really going to walk in the ring and run?" And then <laughs> it happened. <laughs> so, no. 
I saw someone on Twitter who'd blatantly gone to bed before the end of the game and they woke up the next day and was like, so how about that victory, everybody? Like, it's great. The Giants have got their first win. And then about a minute later, they posted like, oh, yeah, I went to bed before the end and I've just seen it. And I was like, ah, unlucky. At least I woke up. I record every game. So, you know, at least I woke up. You know that that that's that's what I was gonna. I want I wondered that with you guys. Do you have the ability to record games and watch them at your own leisure, or do you just have to catch them? Oh, MLB TV has that function, so you MLB can pretty much watch archives them. it. Yeah, yeah, it does have that function. So that was yeah. a dumb question. Forget I asked. <laughs> no, sorry. Well, it's good for people who don't have MLB TV and they like the Giants. Uh, you need to get it because. You can watch the condensed games, just the highlights, or you can watch all of the game. And, uh, yeah, you can skip all the annoying flashback adverts in between each inning. That's a good point. <laughs> this was, this was, <laughs> a, this the, was the same blast. plays over and over again. It's just... Yep. Uh, this this was a blast, guys. I really appreciate you having me on as a guest. I, I really did enjoy uh, being here. You guys are knowledgeable Giants fans. You you definitely see the game, see baseball through orange colored glasses, and I personally love that. I love uh, anytime meeting and interacting and hanging out with new Giants fans. So I just want to say thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Eric. It's an absolute here. pleasure, Eric. Fun, yeah. Thank, thanks for coming on, and uh, hopefully we can sort out having you on again at some point in the season, and maybe doing some kind of crossover of torture cast, maybe. Um, so I'm going to say my own goodbye and let the guys say each other. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening and watching as much as we've enjoyed recording it. And go Giants! Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Go Giants, indeed.